Today is June 24th, 2014, and this is episode 121 of Let's Talk Bitcoin. This program is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Cryptocurrency is a new field of study. Consult your local futurist, lawyer, and investment advisor before making any decisions whatsoever for yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk Bitcoin, a twice-weekly show about the ideas, people, and projects building the digital economy and the future of money. My name is Adam B. Levine, and today we're visiting with two new user-created asset projects. These interviews should not be taken as endorsements, and if something piques your interest, you really need to do your own due diligence on the opportunity. Ironically, and just as with early miners of new altcoins, the people who know best the value of these new projects are also the ones who, if the project isn't really a good one, benefit from it being misunderstood. Our interviews aren't scripted, questions are not given in advance, and they're edited only for content density and presentation, although they sometimes are edited quite a bit because people tend to ramble on and I tend to trim it down quite a bit. So anyways, that out of the way, we've got a really interesting lineup for you today. Andreas is back and recently sat down with Joel Dietz, co-founder of the upcoming Swarm platform. They talk crowdfunding, swarm intelligence, golden tickets, and more. But first, I caught up with David Tyson and Lloyd Davis about their project, Jennercoin. Let's get started. Today on Let's Talk Bitcoin, we're joined by David Tyson and Lloyd Davis. Gentlemen, thanks for taking the time. Can you introduce yourselves to our listeners? I guess I'll begin. My name is Lloyd Davis. I'm a, uh, a researcher up here in Canada. I've been working in biofuels, solid biofuels and liquid biofuels for about the last seven years. Uh, yeah, my name is David Tyson. I have an economics background and I've uh, been a trader most of my life. And now I've turned entrepreneur. Well, I had a stint in real estate there up until the last uh, bubble burst. We're here to talk about Jennercoin. Since user-created assets have started coming out, we've kind of had to reorient how we do these interviews. So the first question that I'm asking in all these interviews is, what is the value concept behind what you're doing, and why aren't you just using Bitcoin instead of creating a separate token to represent this type of value? Guess how I got into the whole Bitcoin uh, cryptocurrency field was, uh, I was actually building a house, which I said I'm going to be done at the end of this month. And I was... Uh, you know, became aware of Bitcoin like most people did uh, middle of the last year. You know, once uh, Bitcoin did its uh, rise up after uh, the Cyprus uh, banking got shut down there for three days, and a lot of the Cypriots went into Bitcoin. But uh, I realized that I could um, advertise my home for sale for Bitcoin, whether or not I ever did that or not. And uh, I'd get a lot of media attention. So uh, I, I proceeded to go down that road. And in my uh, in my studying and uh, learning more about the cryptocurrencies, I came across MasterCoin, <coughs> their ability to embed embed data, uh, and that was when the sort of the, the bells and whistles went off. I saw that uh, many more of these altcoins or app coins, as they're as they now seem to be called, uh, could be created. So I actually started to go down that road to create another uh, because my um, uh, economics background. I really sort of see Bitcoin as a as a great innovation, and uh, but uh, there's and also Masscoin as well. But uh, a lot of these other cryptocurrencies, I kind of see as almost like a crypto fiat occurring there as well. There's something like 255 now, or almost like a crypto sprawl as well. There just there doesn't seem to be too much of a rhyme or reason for a, a lot of them. And, and with an economics background, you know, I, I have, uh, believe a lot in intrinsic value. So I'm looking forward to creating currencies that do, that are asset backed. So uh, that was a long winded answer to say, uh, where's the value to this coin? It's, it's asset backed. And you know, that, that adds a lot of in, intrinsic value that uh, most of these coins do not have. 
So to be clear, when you say asset backed, is it redeemable? Can I actually redeem a token at a for a fixed rate of something in the real world? Yes, as a matter. Well, it, yes, it is asset backed. My involvement in our Terran Renewables involvement in this was, you know, we were just in the process of putting together a convertible bond issue to go sort of more Wall Street, Bay Street, traditional type sales, and that's when I got a uh, our. David and I basically found each other and they, uh, over a few, few coffees, this, this whole idea of producing a, uh, an asset backed coin came together. So in, in this regard, what we've, what we've worked it out to is each Jenner coin is, is the equivalent of 10,000 BTU worth of biofuel, which for, if you need to sort of visualize it, it's about a pound. So think of about a pound of a, uh, of coffee grounds. And that's the energy backing, or that's the physicality backing the uh, the coin. Hmm. And yes, is it redeemable? Absolutely. So Just give uh, me your home address, and I'll ship it. Okay, so uh, so it's redeemable for a type of biofuel. So tell me about this biofuel. Well, what our Terran has done in a uh, in the seven years that we've been in the lab working is we've created an alternative or an alternative biofuel that's a replacement, a direct replacement for coal. Period. Full stop. It's a, uh, we can mimic all of the positive attributes of coal. There's only about three. And they uh, get rid of all of the rest of the, uh, the crap that comes along with combusting a fossil fuel. So what are the advantages of combusting coal that you've managed to replicate? And what is the actual material that we're talking about here? Okay, well, the, the advantages of combusting coal are uh, its energy content in the Nine to eleven thousand BTU range for for thermal coal. So it's very um, energy dense. It's energy dense. Uh, coal is is hydrophobic in that if you leave it out in the rain, it's just going to get wet and dry off later. And it's transportability and the infrastructure, the transportability. So the the rail the rail lines are already in place. The material handling facilities to deal with a material like coal are already in place, and because we mimic them on those three levels, we can directly substitute ourselves into the, the, the logistics chain uh, quite easily. Now, benefits of going to an alternative or renewable fuel pickup is our product is made from one of the most common substances on the planet, cellulose. Cellulose is in your front lawn and your grass, it's in the leaves, it's in the trees, it's in your municipal solid waste, it's in your sewage system. Every feedlot or chicken producer out there is producing several tons of it uh, on a daily, if not hourly basis. So as far as feedstocks and renewability, it's everywhere. When you make a biofuel out of a, a renewable, you close the, the carbon loop from, you know, 100 to 300 million years with fossil fuels down to how long does it take to, to grow some grass or how long does it take people to produce some more municipal solid waste? Or how long does it take a, uh, a cow to process their, uh, or perform their function in this uh, value chain? Uh, there's just sort of no end to the feedstock, but it really does start putting uh, caps on the, uh, the amount of CO2 that's going to be emitted into the environment. But more so, and I mean, this is my, my knock on, on the combustion of coal, it's the other 68 toxic elements that are either aerosoled when you burn it or become part of the ash after it's, a, uh, after it's burned. There's just so many problems with coal going forward. And I'm really pleased, you know, when your president announced that 
Yeah, there is actually, I was listening to the, uh, the head of the EPA and yeah, there is a war on coal because it's about time. You know, these, these people that know that, well, you can't eat too many fish because of the mercury. Where do you think the mercury came from? It's just absolutely time with, you know, people with asthma, people with health issues because of the downstream effects of coal. So you've developed this alternative and you've connected it mm-hmm. with this user-created asset called Jennercoin. So how do these things, so, so, so the one is redeemable. What is the, what is the goal of adding the token into this? What is the goal of making it redeemable? Are you fundraising with this? We're pre-selling uh, production and then a portion of the, uh, the fundraising is going to be expanding capacity. So uh, our Terran Renewables and, and David's company, Industrious Industries, have an arrangement, a, a contract to produce 800,000 bags of biofuel. Uh, a bag of biofuel is 300,000 BTU per bag, which equates to 30 Jenner coins. And that way, the, the, the people, the, the altcoin community that's getting involved in this, I mean, I, I am brand new. I've got to admit this right up front. I am brand new to this, the altcoin. I'd heard about Bitcoin in the news uh, and didn't give it a lot of thought. I'm busy. But since my, uh, my introduction to this within the last 90 days, it, it really is one of those, you know, say holy crap moments. But, you know, there, there really is something to the, this, this cryptocurrency thing. If you've ever done international commerce, which we have, the, uh, you know, transferring money to, to vendors out of the country and in larger than $10,000 amounts, it's a pain, you know, and the banks every step of the way decide to take a little piece of you. So I was intrigued just from that point. But then I, I thought about it a, uh, about it more and doing some research. There, there are no real asset backed coins that, that, you know, I can see there's, there's a couple that are, you know, speculating on, on metals. So there's silver and there's gold seem to be as much substance there. And I thought, well, here's an opportunity to compl- combine, you know, renewable energy, green technology and new technology and exciting technology, you know, both of us, having that, that disruptive capacity, uh, putting them together and seeing where it goes. I'm quite excited about the prospect. So now you came to this uh, solution, you said, after you had been looking at conventional Wall Street, Bay Street types of fundraising approaches. So can you kind of talk about, well, I mean, like, yeah, what, what was the thought there? Well, the thought was, and I don't, you know, hopefully there's no vulture capitalists listening to your show. Maybe hopefully there are. The, uh, we were going to go the, the traditional route. Like we've just started down the, uh, this process. We have, a, we have some capacity now, but we're absolutely looking to, a, uh, to expand on that. When I came across that, uh, it was just by accident that I, I came across Lloyd. I have, I have some sustainable uh, home aspirations. I want to sort of try to revamp, revamp the way that the society lives, actually. So I met his son, and uh, he told me that that was in biofuels, and I was like, oh, okay, we'll give him a phone. In, in dealing with the venture capital community, they tend to be a bit of a, a greedy lot, a demanding lot. And one of the things that, you know, I'm, I'm fully aware of, and I've been contacted by some big companies, and, you know, it's, yes, they have their, their desires, their wants, but my desire, my want with, with what we've created here with the, uh, our Terran Renewables is for our fuel to completely replace coal at some point in the future. And the possibility for it is there. Like if you go to the website, there's a lot of information on the website about, you know, how we do it, what we do it, and the results of a, uh, you know, that we've had independently verified. 
with a coal manufacturer actually way back. And we combined our product with theirs to see if we could empty a tailings pond of their, of their waste. And we had an independent lab uh, go over what we produced and, and the results came back great. So we know we can go 50-50 with their tailings and, and get rid of that environmental hazard. But we also found out from that process that just the nature of our product, we could 100% replace them. So at that point, they went from being a potential client to, ooh, we're a competitor of yours. So, you know, in dealing with the, the traditional, you know, Wall Street, Bay Street types, they all understand oil and gas, they understand coal, they understand energy. But renewables is a really fast, fast growing emerging market. Next generation renewables, that the category we fit in, there's not a number of players in our space, but what we're doing is taking, uh, we're taking on two actually uh, industries. We're taking on the wood pellet industry, which I'm completely happy with. I like these people. And we're taking on the coal industry. Uh, with wood pellets, we make a superior product. We have 50%, at least 50% more energy uh, than they do per pound. And again, come back to let's get rid of coal. Okay, we can do this now. Going back to the token for a second, you're building this on the MasterCoin platform. Can you talk to us about how you made that decision and what the experience has been so far? How I made that decision was I came across MasterCoin uh, in the latter part of 2013, somewhere on Christmas actually. And, and uh, yeah, it was, as I said before, it was the, the ability to embed data into their coin at uh, that brought to mind a whole host of uh, products that, that uh, can be created for them. And of course, they allow as part of their master protocol to, to issue new coins. So uh, me not having a programming background and uh, definitely not being a, a techie saw that as, a, as, a, as an avenue to create new coins. Of course, uh, some of the new ones that, uh, that are coming out now in regards to Ethereum and um, I mean, I'm sure Adam, you know a lot more about them, but uh, uh, yeah, they weren't they weren't around at that particular time. But uh, I was already going down the road on creating a, another asset by silver, actually. Yeah, I've already had developed a relationship with uh, with a few of the people there, mostly just the, one of the programmers. So that's sort of how uh, this this came about. And of course, they've, they've had their their made safe sale, and uh, that's you know it had some issues, but uh, it's probably a resounding resounding success. I mean, uh, doing everything. So uh, yeah, we're very pleased to be launched through MasterCoin. Hey there, LTB listeners. If you'd like to be one of the first to receive LTB coin, now is the time to prepare, and you'll need to do two things. First, visit counterwallet.co and generate a free multi-wallet that holds Bitcoins, LTB coins, and anything else built on Bitcoin using the counterparty protocol. With one click, you'll generate a secure 12-word password, and you'll want to keep that safe as it is your private key. Once you've created your password, log into your wallet, you'll see three brand new Bitcoin addresses you control. Copy one of those addresses, and then head over to letstalkbitcoin.com and register an account in the upper right-hand corner of the page. Inside your account, you'll have a few options, one of which is My Profile. Click on that, and at the bottom of the page, you'll see a place to put your LTB coin address. Paste your newly created Bitcoin address, save the changes, and you're done. When we release LTB coin later this month, you'll be all set. So thanks for listening. Back to the show. So how much are you trying to raise? What's the, what are the terms that you're uh, offering to people? 
Uh, you mentioned that there was a fixed BTU amount of fuel figure. Is that something that is going to change over time, or is that just like is that's the rate that it's always going to be? No, we're always be uh, ten thousand BTUs. Uh, I don't, I don't, I can't see how that should ever be allowed to be changed. Uh, what could change though is, of course, the, the value of the the content, the value of those ten thousand BTUs, and that's that's dependent on the market, which of course is renewables as the, the world keeps force, uh, not Washington force, and but the, as the world keeps uh, heading towards a world of non-fossil fuels, and yeah, the demand for uh, renewables is going to keep going up, and therefore the price should as well. And I have to echo what David said there, that a 10,000 BTU solid biofuel is actually a very significant number. Uh, like say, I've been doing this for a, a long time. And I recall a couple of years ago, a, um, the Wall Street Journal announced a, a super pellet. And it was a, a wood pellet manufacturer It announced that they had produced a, a 10,000 BTU pellet. But upon further examination of their, their claims, they were using diesel fuel as a binder to hold the, uh, the material together. So a bit of an <laughs> erroneous claim. So to come up with a, a, a truly innovative process, and we believe that's what our Terran has done, you know, we have the ability to make between 10 and 12,000 BTU per pound. So, you know, we can replace the, uh, the softer coals on the bottom end, but we are also approaching the, uh, the level of replacing anthracite on the, uh, on the high end. And we picked the, the 10,000 BTU as a, uh, as, as a number because one, it's, it's a significant number in the, in the energy industry. It, it matches the, the BTU of the coal that they're using in most of the thermal coal plants around the world. It, just to carry on, as far as, a, as an asset backing it, like currently the, the Jenner coins, and you know, as far as the issue price, I'll, I'll let David sort of explain that. But at, at, at 6.2 cents per, per Jenner coin, what that works out to, and, and the, the price of, of bioenergy is a, is a commodity, and there's a, a number of companies out there that track it. The one that I prefer is Argus Market Reports. And currently, the, the price of biofuels, uh, renewables, is going up. So that 10,000 BT of renewable fuels, we're at about 1.5 to 1. The, uh, the biofuel is actually worth about 50% more than the coin is right now. Yeah, so uh, it's actually, Lloyd, it's a little close to the 9.4. It's actually 9.38 U.S. cents. So... Uh, is a, with a trading background, I'd like to be able to say that's a 51% return on equity, but uh, our return on investment, we're going to call it a, a discount. One of the interesting things about Jennercoin compared to some of the other types of tokens that I've seen, like uh, there's a company called Digital Tangible Trust, and they essentially let you buy a gold bar or a gold coin or some other type of precious metal. And instead of them taking possession of it, you buy it from a dealer and then you have it sent to a vault. And then instead of your name owning it, the token essentially owns it. And it can be controlled and reclaimed with the token in real life, but its ownership can trade otherwise. That's a non-fungible way to do one of these tokens where every single bar is a different asset. And what you've created here is something where you have a very energy-dense uh, substance that is incredibly granular. I mean, you're talking about pellets, so you know this, I imagine, can go down to the grams worth of, uh, worth of fuel. So it's, it's a very interesting... Um, th- you know, I, I really do think that you have the first really redeemable, granular, you, know, you don't need to, to get $100,000 of it in order to do it, uh, token that I've seen. So let me ask, so as it stands right now, you have production capacity. 
when yes. will you have the ability to actually deliver on this forward production that you're selling in order to fund the expansion? How long is that gap? Between nine and 12 months, so between three and four quarters from now. So we're anticipating, for those that want their fuel redeemed, now, in, in discussing this, we thought, well, there's going to be people in the, in, the, in the coin community that maybe they eat with wood pellets and maybe they would like to buy a bag of a, uh, a higher density, better fuel. Let's sort of make some sort of accommodation that if somebody wants to buy a bag, a 30-pound bag of a, a biofuel, great. They can buy their, their Jenner coins and we would be constantly updating the website and those people that want to redeem their, their, their tokens for the fuel give us a show. Let us know where we're sending this stuff. Uh, for those that wanted to buy larger quantities, they, uh, it typically takes, in a, uh, if you're in the northeastern states, you might go through uh, a ton a month to, a, uh, to heat a regular-sized house. Great. Purchase a, uh, enough tokens to cover off a, a ton and let us know where you want it to, to be sent. We'll, uh, we'll make those arrangements for you. Does it include uh, delivery? No. Okay. <laughs> the, uh, so. But one of the things, and we, we've thought about the logistics of it, and uh, a container is approximately 28 tons. So, for example, let's say there is a bunch of interest in the northeastern states. You know, we put together a container. It would bring the, the delivered price down to a uh, additional dollars per bag. And it would still be an affordable biofuel because basically our arrangement is at the, uh, with David in, in Industrious Industries, is at the wholesale, wholesale price. So it's so, about $2 a bag of uh, biofuel retails about 5 Are we talking about the initial price or are we talking about um, the, how the market is determining the price that it should trade once it's out there? Uh, well, the way we price the, uh, the fuel, the way the, uh, the coin gets valued against the fuel is, is electricity is a commodity. And, and current pricing for electricity is, is around the, the $31 a, a megawatt hour range. So in our case, when we produce fuel, a, uh, a, a ton of our fuel, a megawatt hour is 3.4 million BTU. Uh, our biofuel is about 22 million to 28 million BTU per ton. So we're in the, the, the six to seven megawatt hours per ton of a uh, of fuel now that's a commodity price that, that that's fixed that the coal industry uses wood pellets use it and there's no reason for us not to a uh, apply the same sort of math to to our fuel and i i'm going to stop there because that's just going down a rabbit hole that day it gets really geeky and very mathy so the, the, uh, is it safe to say that you guys feel like this is a very good value that people that you are offering to people and that and that they are wise to take you up on it now before it's properly understood well, I, I couldn't agree with that statement more. The at the, the current valuation of the uh, of the token, and that's that's a fixed price. So the six six point two cents per per coin, that's fixed. Now, since we've started down this process, uh, the biofuel based on its energy content should have been when we first started this conversation. You know, sixty ninety days ago would have been closer to eight cents. But the rise in the economics of biofuels. You know, we've gone from around 8.2 cents to we're now around 9.35, probably heading for 9.4. And then with the heating season coming up and the and the purchase of, of material, plus all the facilities that are switching to renewables, you know, we're, we're, we're it's well, it is what it is. It's 9.35 now. Uh, but anybody that wants to look at it, like, don't take my word for it. Go check. And it's quite on the rise. And then there's a lot more. Just with the recent announcement from President Obama, 
uh, and, and like say coal on its way out, the prices are even going to go higher. So we're, we're, we're totally comfortable in how we're back the, uh, as far as from our Terrence perspective, we're totally comfortable in the, uh, in how we're backing the, uh, the Jenner coin and the value that we, that we offer. I, I can expand on that a little bit. Currently out of Port of Vancouver, the price per ton wood pellets is $155 a ton. Now, uh, we, if we were to be priced at that, we would be $206 per ton because we are, we're more energy dense. But it's still the same math that goes into determining why wood pellets are 155 we would be 206 So out of the Port of Vancouver, you've got wood pellets at $155 a ton. But Argus Reports is already reporting that there's been six containers so far this year that have gone off to Southeast China at $200 a ton. So this is the direction that the market is heading as, as, we, as we keep pushing away from uh, the production of uh, uh, from, the, from electricity, uh, from coal, is we need another... Solar isn't about to do it on its own yet. It's, uh, although solar is taken off uh, by leaps and bounds, um, it's, uh, it was uh, second only to natural gas in terms of uh, electricity production uh, at the end of last year. And is, uh, in the United States, it's 74% of uh, all new energy created so far at the end of the first quarter here. What we really see is with our Terran and, and solar and the other renewables is that, yeah, the, the days of fossil fuels are really coming to an end. Uh, to expand upon that a little bit more, in terms of Canada, if just the municipal solar, uh, just the just the manure in Canada, it's going to sound like we got shit laying all over the place. But uh, a little bit. <laughs> if just the, if just the manure in Canada in 2006 was turned into our Terran's biofuel, it would fuel the home 60 million homes for one year. That's almost twice our population. So this truly is an abundant uh, fuel source, renewable source of energy. And uh, yeah, it's uh, the crypto community really has a, an opportunity here to, to get behind this and, and help, uh, help bring an end to coal and really an end to fossil fuels altogether. So talk to me about the legality of this, because you guys are, are real companies. Um, a lot of times when we talk to people who are starting user-created assets, they're individuals or musicians or things like that. And I'm curious, uh, you know, how what the process was on that and how comfortable, frankly, you are. Is this a risk that you feel like you're taking at all or do you feel like you're on real steady ground? No, no, I don't uh, feel on a risk. Uh, trust me, I've had so many appointments with the, with the lawyers and they've hammered into me that uh, there's a certain way that we've got to go about this and there's, there's uh, ways that uh, we definitely can't. It probably would have been a lot simpler for us, and uh, I don't think Lloyd would have had a, an issue with this. If we, if we could have offered up uh, some equity, he was already would have been willing to do that uh, when he was going to Wall Street or Bay Street. But uh, yeah, currently in the crowdsourcing realm, you're you're not allowed to offer up equity yet. Uh, although that that is changing in the, in the very near future, so that that is exciting. But uh, yeah, that would that would have been exciting if we could have offered a coin, which you know would have maybe. Um, had some interest on it and could be convertible into, uh, into some equity shares. And, you know, the, the general public actually got to, could have, could have got to own a, own a piece of this rather than, uh, you know, cut, and cutting out the, the venture capitalists is, uh, or vulture capitalists, as Lloyd says. Well, while you guys were talking, I just shuffled across the office and grabbed plan D and they, uh, you know, one of the things going forward with this is, if, if the regulations allow it and, and things change, 
you know, I think that would be a wonderful opportunity for the coin community that if you didn't want to take your biofuel or you didn't want it redeemed in a, in a way that you're going to take it home and combust it or, or use it for those purposes, if, if it changes, I would be totally fine with doing something like instead of redeeming for the, uh, the fuel, we could work out some sort of formula that would allow you to return it for equity. Because I think, like, say, the potential partnership going forward with the uh, with the coin community is is there's so many positives to it. Perhaps but people yeah, could buy it, the it, equity it, coin it, with the fuel coin if that's allowed. Again, in, David had his conversation with his lawyers. I had it with our general counsel, and the the gist of it is, you know, this is not we we can't at this point in time say that. This is a potential investment opportunity, but have we given it some thought? Oh yeah, we've given it a lot of thought and thought, yeah, why, why wouldn't we want to do something like this to the, to the benefit of more and make it more of a distributed opportunity? Because for, for the general public, you know, for the, for the little guys, not the, the VCCs, not the, uh, not the brokers and, and Wall Street, but for the little guys to get in on these opportunities at this level, at this early stage, uh, you know, there's a tremendous upside to renewables. Anybody that's familiar with the renewable market knows that it's double digits and exponential growth. So why not? But again, you know, I have to backtrack on all of that and say, as it sits right now, you know, legislation in, in Canada, legislation in the, in the U.S. precludes us from even having this conversation. But if it does change, we're going to have this conversation because I, I think this is just a tremendous opportunity. So the pre-sale is uh, ongoing. You just started a couple of days ago. What are the relevant places people can learn more about this if they're interested? Well, Arterian Renewables has the frequently asked questions and uh, most of the business plan summary on there. But I think it really does, in, the, in, in simple terms, you know, explain the, the renewable fuels market. But then it also explains you know, our positioning in that, in that marketplace. So Arterian Renewables, as it sounds, I don't know if they, uh, if where you're going to publish this, but for those of you listening, Arterian, A-R-T-E-R-R-A-N, renewables, plural, dot com, or even simpler, just go to the JennerCoin site and the JennerCoin has leaks, leaks, <laughs> links back to the, uh, the Arterian Renewables site. So the JennerCoin site is JennerCoin.io or JennerCoin.com? JennerCoin.io. Set more in regards to the, the sale metrics of the coin. And so how long does the sale go on? What are the specifics of it? Well, I guess maybe we should discuss a little bit about uh, what future could be in it. And you alluded to it. Actually, Adam, you brought up a very good idea. That, that yeah, down the road, uh, if the law allows for it, that the asset-backed coin could be swapped for an equity-backed coin, I guess. But uh, yeah, the potential future of this coin, or not, this is just a single issuance and we just... We just issue up to 30 million coins of what we've uh, created 35 million, but that we were only expecting to release about 30 million of them. Yeah, the potential is that as more Arterian plants are deployed around the world, that the, again, the same model can be used where the fuel is pre-sold to generate the money to build those plants. And in the process, uh, more coins are, 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 are issued, which are now tradable or redeemable for the fuel, or if it turns out to be an equity uh, proposition at that particular time. As my website uh, alludes to there, there's a white paper out uh, which talks about the benefits of having an energy-backed coin 
and that because of the utilitarian factor of energy, meaning it's spread out across society, it's way more uh, defensible against inflation or inflation spikes and deflation spikes. Not so much so as uh, gold or silver, you know, is prone more to spikes because, well, not everyone has gold and silver. So, so you know, it's in a risky hand. So I, I see the, the long-term potential of the coin on its own is, uh, yeah, becoming a, a future currency for the world. Is there any fixed supply limit to this, or are you simply saying that you're going to essentially continue to create more as production expands? And so you're not, it, the, the supply uh, grows numerically, but you're not actually inflating because it's all backed by a, a redeemable, fungible commodity, which is this fuel. Is that right? Yeah, you're 100% correct on that. As far as any sort of restriction on supply, no. I mean, we talked earlier about manures and a, uh, you know, as I look out over our storage lot, I have 2,000 tons of cattle manure that sometime in the near future, I'm going to start processing it. And the cows just keep making more. So uh, trees grow, lawns grow, people throw away paper and a, uh, and cardboard. All of these things, it, it's, it's an absolutely mountain of available feedstock for, but, a, uh, for our process. Available feedstock is different than currency amount. And currency amount is at the root of what I'm trying to get at here. And what I'm asking is, when you've expanded production, are you going to expand the number of tokens that are created? Or are you going to just resell the tokens, essentially, that people redeem with you? As I mean, so do you understand my question? I think I do now, and I would suggest that as we redeem the uh, the tokens, they, we would just resell the uh, the tokens again. One of the things that sort of helps people to know whether or not, you know, how they feel about a coin is whether or not it has a good forward-looking schedule for what the currency issuance will be, because that kind of tells you how much, uh, you know, relatively speaking, you're being diluted. But in the case of your coin, that's not necessarily true. So I'm just trying to figure out if there are any sort of unsustainable venues that, you know, need to be kind of brought up. Okay, from my, my perspective, there is going to be no dilution, period. You know, as we said, we've created 35 million uh, tokens, 30 million of them are available. Uh, that's it. Done. We're, we're not going to, there's no reason to issue more, but as, as the coins are redeemed, then come back to us more that that's when they become available for a, uh, for resale, but never, never exceeding 30 million uh, tokens. So given that, given you've now said that it's fixed at 35 million, what ha- and, and you've also said that the uh, amount that the value of each is fixed at 10,000 BTUs. Doesn't that mean that you've essentially that you kind of cap your ability to expand BTUs? I mean, like it seems like that the the amount of BTUs itself sort of has to be floating once you've passed a certain point, like because it, it w- will want to float up, right? All that really has to happen here, Adam, is Lloyd just has to make sure that he produces as many BTUs as the amount of coins that are issued. So, uh, right. That's uh, I think it's supposed to be almost about eleven eleven thousand ten. But yeah. So he's going to produce probably much more than eleven thousand tons. Yeah, that's not a very big pile in our in our world. That's a uh, I would suggest going forward when all thirty million coins are, are out there, we can satisfy the uh, the asset backing of that probably somewhere around eighteen nineteen months, or from the end of the crowd sale and the start of the production to satisfy the asset backing. It cannot be business as usual, and our Terran is about not business as usual. This is time for a change, and we believe we have a part of the solution as part of the total energy that's required for everybody. I can be reached through the uh, the website on the Contact Us page. My direct cell number is, is there for anybody that wants to uh, have a conversation. 
Uh, we have a Facebook page if you want to come communicate that way. But we're here to answer questions. Uh, we haven't published all the answers, so we haven't been asked all the questions. So if anybody wants to get in touch with us, go ahead, feel free. Gentlemen, we look forward to your continued progress in the space. CryptoKit is the world's first Chrome browser Bitcoin wallet. It's the easiest, fastest Bitcoin wallet payment system. With a simple one-click install, it takes just seconds to get your wallet set up. And because CryptoKit finds the address and payment for you, there's no more fussing around or tab switching. CryptoKit is more than just a wallet. It comes with a preloaded PGP-encrypted social network, news feeds from Reddit and Google, and up-to-date charts from exchanges. Finally, CryptoKit directory allows you to make two-click payments with any of the BitPay merchants. Once you install CryptoKit, you won't need anything else. For more information or to download CryptoKit, visit CryptoKit.com. Hi, Stephanie here. Would you like to turn your book into an enthralling audiobook? Need a persuasive commercial to promote your company? How about a narrator for your explainer video? Here's where I can help. I'm a freelance voiceover artist, and since 2009, I've lent my voice to dozens of audio projects. To hear some examples of my work, check out my website, smvoice.info. If you like what you hear, I'd love to be the voice of your next project. Get in touch at smvoice.info. With us today on Let's Talk Bitcoin, we have Joel Dietz, who is the leader of Swarm, a new crowdfunding platform that uses cryptocurrencies in order to enable various organizations or companies to crowdfund. Is that a pretty good description, Joel? Yeah, that's pretty good, Andreas. Thank you. Swarm is uh, is something that just launched, but uh, I know you've already raised uh, some money behind it. Uh, can you describe what Swarm does and give us a bit of the history of Swarm? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I got very interested in you know the whole Bitcoin 2.0 stuff um, a few months ago and was um, poking around with Ethereum stuff. But my own background is sort of engineer who likes to ship things and you know have the full kind of product. So that stuff wasn't really ready to go just yet. It uh, wasn't production ready, you could say. Um, and so I was poking around and um, various parties, including Adam, um, pointed me towards Counterparty and was looking at the functionality there. Talked with a bunch of people who were involved with smart contracts and it was just clear that this new technology set was enabling a new type of crowdfunding um, that was potentially much more effective than the sort of old way of doing crowdfunding um, in a sort of Kickstarter or other type of mode. So the, the kind of ability to easily, you know, create, you know, assets. And these are things that are easy to do in something like Counterparty to create your own asset and, you know, sort of, you know, raise funds and have it sort of represent some kind of uh, project or um, product or even kind of equity in a company. So basically, I realized that technology is available and it just sort of needed this usability layer where people could easily access and kind of get the information. Um, you know, around it and sort of these kind of Kickstarter-y things. And um, so I was just, a lot of people were sort of interested in this and there was a lot of kind of positive energy that seemed to come out of um, this particular use case. Um, and I was also just really like this idea in the past of, of creating coins that have different sort of utility without kind of creating your own blockchain to support them. So I, I don't, I like, you know, 
I don't know. I like the Bitcoin blockchain and I don't, you know, want to see um, it fail, even though there are these problems, obviously, with the kind of 51% and, and other things. So, Who is part of uh, Swarm today? Yourself? Is, are there other founders in the team? Yeah, that's right. So Jeff Commons is a designer from Belgium. He's, you know, did a lot of educational stuff for um, Bitcoin in Europe. And uh, we met in San Francisco and sort of hit it off. Um, obviously, there's not a lot of like really kind of designer usability folks in the Bitcoin community. And um, but we kind of had a similar vision for setting a very high bar for, you know, really good user experience. And um, we were joined later on by our COO, um, Ben Ingram, who is a sort of serial entrepreneur, does a lot of things in cloud computing space. He's kind of leading the operations and sort of sales side of things. And we also are sort of have a couple other people been helping us in a, in a you know, more limited capacity with community engagement. In a similar fashion to uh, Let's Talk Bitcoin's LTB coin, uh, I understand you're using the counterparty MetaCoin or platform in order to base Swarm on. Is that correct? That's right. Tell me a bit about the choice of counterparty. Well, there's one really killer feature in counterparty right now, and that is the dividend feature. And that is basically that you can issue an asset on top of any other asset to someone who has these assets. And that we just saw as being a really compelling potential way to have this sort of long-term incentivization for different people in different projects. So I think you know, that any least of us looked at MasterCoin or Counterparty, um, that people, you know, get into it expecting that going to go up. You know, there's sort of this use value of the currency within the network. Um, but sometimes that's not really enough for kind of long-term incentivization. So if you want to bring on you know, really, and I think MasterCoin has had this problem very clearly. You want to bring on really talented developers and then offer them, you know, a f- bunch of, you know, 10 MasterCoins or something. It's not really like <laughs> sufficient incentivization for them to stick with the project for, you know, a year of kind of full time effort that it takes to build a really good product. You know, we're kind of looking at this instead of just having sort of one coin, but to have a lot of different coins and then use dividend feature to give people who have our coins, the Swarm coin, kind of a little portion of all of these other coins. A company that comes to Swarm looking to raise capital in order to, say, launch a new uh, product or service or financial service or some kind of company, they would issue their own company coin and part of that would be Swarm. Can you explain a bit how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So you come to, to us and say, you know, we want to launch on Swarm. You know, some small portion of your initial coin offering is going to be distributed back to people who have Swarm coins. And that may not be, you know, a massive, you know, economic stimulus for people who have Swarm coins, but it does sort of have this user engagement where like every time someone is launching, they're kind of giving back to the sort of all, the whole swarm network and everyone can, you know, kind of has a marketing effect as well, where everyone who's part of the swarm, you know, network can see what kind of, um, you know, projects are launching via swarm and get some kind of information about them and, you know, potentially also participate in the crowd sale themselves. So that's a secondary benefit of it is first of all, getting these coins back, but you're also getting sort of early access to these crowd sales that are, that are happening on our platform. And what we expect is, you know, there will be a lot of things that, you know, just come out and then basically just within people in the Swarm network, they kind of cover the, the crowd sale just themselves, you know, so that there's never, it never kind of goes to a larger public. 
Why would a company choose to use Swarm versus using Counterparty directly to launch their coin? We're building up some really interesting, um, I, I guess I could call it IP, but it's really just sort of intelligence, Swarm intelligence around how to structure crowd sales. Um, we're, the, we're launching this paper for the Swarm Intelligence Fest academic conference at Notre Dame University on sort of the crypto economic systems and how they evolve kind of using user agent modeling. So I think we're going to have a good idea basically on the data that we're gathering now like optimal ways to structure crowd sales. So that's just one kind of aspect. And then the other aspect is having a usable interface that allows people who may not be technical to get in on the, on the, on the sale. And in fact, in our own, you know, thing, you can look at our website, you know, we have these instructional videos that um, didn't exist prior in kind of counterparty um, world. And we've had a ton of people also who were not part of the Bitcoin world before who said, I want to get Bitcoins in order to participate in the swarm sale. So. I get a couple messages of this, you know, every day from people that are just, oh, I never was, I kind of thought Bitcoin maybe was interesting before, but I never thought it was, you know, worth it to actually get Bitcoins. And now I want to get them so I can participate. In fact, just before this call, I was walking through someone to do that. If you want to reach a wider audience, then you would probably want to do it via Swarm. And, you know, if you, if you do have a very kind of core, you know, crypto audience, then, you know, that, that is very savvy with these things, then probably you don't need us. But, you know, even then you might actually reach out of your kind of core audience to a larger audience because you're doing it via Swarm. So if a counterparty is a platform, a Swarm is a re-implementation or building on top of that to provide more niche services around crowd sale. Would that be a good way to understand it? Yeah, exactly. Let me ask you then a more pointed question. Essentially, a company that comes to you to do a crowd sale in order to raise funds to do some kind of venture, that sounds very much like an IPO. How do you feel about the legal implications of that? And are you having any concerns that if that is seen as an IPO, as we've seen in previous cases in the Bitcoin community, the SEC might get rather interested in your activity and uh, ask you some pointed questions too? Yeah, I mean, I think we're absolutely going to get hauled in front of the SEC at some point. And, you know, there's, there's some things that did a lot of due diligence before deciding what we're doing to see what we think is you know possible uh, to do and what not to do. Some of the things we're doing, I think, are very clearly okay, but some of them are definitely in a gray area that I think there's no real definition around from the SEC side. And I'm sure they'll bring definition at some point, and you know we'll we'll be part of those conversations. I hope we get out of it, you know, without having fines or something. But you know, I'm I'm willing to take these kind of risks because. I think it's just moving the whole, you know, space and kind of technology set forward. And, you know, it's just a very, very clear use case um, for the stuff that has, a, you know, a broad benefit to society. And the other thing is that, you know, one of the core things that we're, we're building out at this point is decentralized due diligence. I mean, I think there's a huge problem right now in the space with kind of these altcoins or, that are have no real value, scamming people and all of this. But the other alternative is, okay, the SEC decides or, you know, some centralized organization, you know, decides what should, should be listed and what shouldn't. And there's a lot of friction around that. So if we can build a kind of system that says this is a legitimate project that has real people behind it, they're actually building, you know, real product at the end of it um, or attempting to, then I think that will be a much, you know, 
very compelling use case to say, look, like this community has the ability to kind of regulate itself. It's not going out and defrauding people. You know, we're actually providing this this real benefit instead of some, you know, some kind of new scam coin. Are you going to be doing due diligence on the companies that are uh, submitting for crowd sales on your platform? And in, in that, if you do due diligence, then you expose yourself to um, you should have known better. And if you don't do due diligence, then it's open to anyone. So we're trying to do neither of those really in the sense of allowing, uh, I don't know if you know how eToro works or some of these other platforms, but allowing people to show up and say, look, we, you know, we've, we know these people who are associated with this project or whatever and are looking into it. And we, you know, are basically endorsing this project. And you can see a number of different endorsements from different parties. So, you know, Adam or, you know, you, Andreas can show up and say, look, I'm endorsing this particular addition to the counterparty platform because we know these guys and they're good and they're actually going to build this and then you know that be there as endorsement that other people could see and people could see the track record of all the endorsers so you can say okay this guy endorsed these you know 10 projects in the past year three of them died miserable deaths but you know five of them are still around and doing well and two of them did really really well and kind of allowing the person to make decision based on on this kind of um decentralized due diligence. From my perspective, I can tell you that I, I generally don't do endorsements, or rather not generally, I don't do endorsements. And even not doing endorsements, people sometimes take the fact that I tweeted about a company because I find it interesting to be an endorsement, or even that I consulted for a company to give them technical advice to be an endorsement. And then if things go bad, they expect me to have done some kind of due diligence, which is rather ridiculous, but you know, that's the risk of endorsements. I don't do endorsements explicitly because I don't think, well, first of all, I don't have the time to do the due diligence required to do an endorsement. And because I'm worried that people will listen to me and not do their own due diligence. There's certain risk in putting trust in, in endorsements. How, how do you feel about that? I feel like in the early stage of visit, it'll, it'll kind of be a free for all. You know, we'll have to probably spend some or significant amount of effort on ourselves and kind of vetting things and projects so that we don't lead to things that are defrauding people. But I think eventually that system um, will be very, you know, effective. And, and I think one of the really exciting things about it, and this is one of the things I've, I've learned from looking at platforms like eToro, is that there could be some, you know, 17 year old in Bulgaria who's just really good at evaluating projects and you can go out and get a really good sense, you know, kind of sniffing whatever intuition that something's going to do well or not. And then other people can just see the the success of these different people and kind of follow the, the people who are, you know, consistently successful and, and then, you know, longer term. So you're looking to do wisdom of the crowds essentially together with funding from the crowds. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what that is looking like um, is something that we're planning to release by a kind of coin summit in London. So we have pretty good specs on on the back end stuff, but we're, we're going to put a little more definition and then actually push that out so people can see that what that part of it looks like. It's, it's very core, you know, I think what we're doing so that it's not like anyone can just invest, but then no one knows what they're actually investing in. This is still in the early stages from what I understand. You've started raising money in order to uh, to build the Swarm platform, but you don't have any crowd sales yet. When do you expect the first crowd sale to happen on this platform or beta? We expect to announce them um, on July 10th. 
And we expect to actually start East One sale by end of July. So probably July 23rd, 24th. Just to wrap things up, if people want to get more information, um, what's the website to visit to learn more about Swarm? And how can they participate? How can interested parties participate in this if they, if they think they want to? Our website is uh, swarmcorp.com. The instructions are there if you want to participate in the crowd sale. It's ongoing. We've done you know a pretty substantial amount so far. And all you really need to do is create a counter wallet, put some bitcoins in it, and then send it to the address that's that's on the site. Um, and then you get swarm. Is there a minimum amount? There's no minimum ticket, but you know I guess the current exchange rate is about five thousand swarm per bitcoin. So if you do less than a five thousandth of a bitcoin, you won't get any uh, swarm coins. So I don't know. All right. So one five thousandth of a Bitcoin is the minimum investment. So any uh, projects coming up that you like to us a preview, given that this program won't air for two weeks, that we'll announce a bit more detail about upcoming plans for Swarm? Yeah, well, one of the reasons why we agreed to do a very large cap, so our, our total cap is um, 21,500 Bitcoins, is because we got a lot of interest from experienced investors in the coin-based model. And we've had a number of people in different cities. Right now we have four different cities are committed to doing coin-powered accelerators, where it's a very much like a Y combinator for crypto, create an accelerator coin via the Swarm network, and we would actually finance a good portion of that coin starting off. And then that coin, which is going to represent an accelerator in a particular city, is then going to ha- have an application cycle for 30 days to take other startups. And then each one of those startups will do their whole structure via a coin. Um, and I think this is going to be really compelling as far as sort of network effect where people are participating in the success of these startups, even in places where they aren't physically located. And we've just basically seen a lot of interest in that. And, and we'll be some making some announcements related to that on July 10th. Very, very impressive people who've kind of come um, to support these projects and agreed to be mentors already. Do you want to talk a bit about Golden Ticket and what that is? Yeah, so one really interesting thing about Swarm is we're, you know, very interested in building up this kind of network. And we, if you read our description of what you get out of Swarm Coin, obviously you get this kind of other product um, and kind of preferred access to, to other sales and things like that on Swarm. You also get entrance to these sort of, you know, Swarm related events. And, you know, we're throwing a really big party in London. So people who have the gold ticket get special access to certain things um, in the context of these parties. I can't reveal all the details at this moment, but yeah, that's sort of part of our Swarm vision. Thanks for listening to episode 121 of Let's Talk Bitcoin. Content for this episode was provided by David Tyson, Lloyd Davis, Andreas M. Antonopoulos, Joel Dietz, and Adam B. Levine. This episode was edited by Denise Levine and Adam B. Levine. Music for this episode was provided by Jared Rubens, General Fuzz, and Gertie Beats. Any questions or comments? Email adam at letstalkbitcoin.com. Have a good one.